Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Today we start our journey into the wizarding world of Normie Podcasts, and we kick off our celebration of the Harry Potter franchise. It's Hairvember Potsember on Normies Like Us. You're a wizard, Harry. You're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. I'm Ron, by the way, from Weasley. Welcome to Hogwarts. There's no foolish wand waving or silly incantations in this class. Come here, Potter. There's no such thing as magic. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. You heard it up top, folks. We did a special months or months, yeah, a couple months last year where we talked uh, Star Wars and Starvember, Warsember, and this year we're doing a little different. We're going to Hogwarts Castle. We're all in our thirties, but we just got our letters, and we are so excited to be here uh, with your hosts on Normies Like Us, me, um, Professor Colin Gonigal. <laughs> Uh, Mike Rona Ravenclaw. Uh, d- d- just Joe. Just Joe. You know what? I'm staying out. I'm staying out. <laughs> Professor <of it>. Jobledore. <laughs> oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I, sure. didn't, I didn't think of one, but I just thought of one. Uh, it's Jacob Malfoy. <laughs> Jacob Malfoy. Why wouldn't you Malfoy? say Jacob Potter? Why wouldn't you just do that? <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. That's fair. I like Jacob Malfoy. Cobby, like Dobby. Jacob Malfoy. Oh, that's Cobby. Yeah, that's like they're one. both good guys. <laughs> I've never seen him wear well, socks. Well, we're going to have multiple yeah. opportunities for names. So That's, that's right. We are Jacob. Because, like we said, we're talking Harry Potter this month. We're talking film by film, book by book. We're combining them together. This episode, of course, we're jumping in on the first one. Um, it's going to be great. I'm very excited. Jacob, this was your pitch to talk Harry Potter. Was it special to you as a kid? That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm probably, you know, not probably. I, I am the biggest Harry Potter fan of uh, of the four of us, I would definitely mm-hmm. say. Um, and it's not something I really like to admit in public that much anymore. But, uh, <laughs> you know, growing up with, with the books, I started reading them from a young age. You know, I read a lot of books when I was young. Um, because, you know, we, we had the internet, but it wasn't the same. And we had, you know, we didn't have Netflix. So there wasn't a lot to do except read books, right? I mean, for me anyway, but um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I'd say I'm, I'm a, a bit of a uh, Harry Pothead. You know? I was going to say, yeah, you identify as a pothead. Uh, <laughs> compared to Star Wars from Star Vember, Wars December, how would you rate yourself? Like what's, what's oh, more? S- Star Wars is definitely beats Harry Potter for me. But I mean, those were like two of the main things that I was into growing up. I mean, uh, like I said, I read a lot. As a kid, uh, in the big series that I was into, actually, Harry Potter was not the number one, but it was for me, it was Redwall, which is uh, a fantasy series about mice and rabbits and stuff, but they're all in medieval yeah. times. Uh, and then number two was Animorphs. Uh, Animorphs and then, <laughs> number two. Come on. It was, you know, when I was like, you know, seven to 13 or whatever, but, and then number three was Harry Potter, right? So, and yeah. over time, I think Harry Potter did overtake. Animorphs, but you know, Redwall is still number top. If you haven't read Redwall, check it out. So, yeah, I hope we're all excited to spend about a month to two months on Jacob's third favorite uh, book series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do Animorphs next I time, Mike. <laughs> no, I think I have to ask you your own question, though, Mike. We're trading lightsabers for wands. Are you happy about That's that? That's right, yeah. I, I will be a space wizard over a earth wizard <laughs> any day of the week. But I do enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed the books as a kid. And, you know, I, I think I 
like the films for what they are and they are kind of impressive in certain ways and um especially for kids movies i think they kind of set a different kind of benchmark and uh so yeah i'm, I'm intrigued to talk about these because uh, it spans over a decade i mean it's a, it's a fascinating franchise just to look at even from a film standpoint true yeah i mean i thought you know after we did star wars last year and the, due to the popularity of those episodes i thought you know what's another long series of mm. movies that you know was really in the normie zeitgeist when they were coming out harry potter's perfect i mean you know you got eight movies in the the main series uh for eight weeks so it just lined up and i don't think any one of us is gonna sit is gonna put harry potter over star wars but uh to me it still holds a special place in my heart joe how about you where's your where's your how much of a uh, pothead would you consider yourself? Uh, mm-hmm. Not at all, man. I am basically like straight edge when it comes to Harry Potter. <laughs> I uh, look. I do There's not a muggle. like this franchise. I uh, <laughs> I'm excited to be the contrarian of the episodes that I participate in for the uh, the two months. Two months. God, we're doing this for two months. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. It. Um, I, I did read the first book. We'll get into that when we, we talk more about the, the Philosopher's Stone here. But after that, like, I don't know. It just didn't it didn't resonate with me. I have seen all of the movies. I was there for the the ride. I mean, Harry Potter was coming of age when we were coming of age. So obviously it was like a big part of growing up because everybody was always talking about it. But no, I do not. Uh, I do not care much for. For the Harry Potter, the Wizarding World, so that's fair. we'll see. We'll that's see fair. how this goes. It's not interesting. enough web swinging. <laughs> no, there's not. Joe, and you know what? Like, right. Here's here's my thesis of it. I, I there think are it spiders, is like though. there are spiders. It is like spiders. the uh, it's it's the friends of movie franchises where it's like I don't like TV show friends. I don't like people who replace their personality with the TV show friends. And I feel the same way about Harry Potter. Right. Well, so. the fandom, we'll get into that. But I mean, it's not like the Star Wars fandom is any better in that regard. Um, no, it's not. So that's fair. But, you know, it's interesting to me, Joe, that you read the first one only because I wasn't really the one that when the, once it became super popular, that was kind of the first one. But that was actually a little before they kind of exploded in popularity. No, um, it was but, second or third grade. That was the book that was like. Hey, right. kids, reading's cool. You got to read this book. Don't yep. you love this book? And about halfway through, I was like, you know what? No, I fucking don't. I think this kid's a loser. I think all of his friends are losers. I don't like it. That's Stop fair. telling me that. Joe the Dursley of his class, of course. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. I was like, you're yeah, a, I don't you're fucking, just a muggle. I'm not taking it. Well, we fair. accept uh, all all points of view here, so normies <laughs> get ready for uh, the contrarian viewpoint. I'm not, you know, in love and love with it either. Like, you know, crazy. I, I I appreciate it enough, so I think it'll be interesting to see what we have. But um, yeah, Colin, two months to go. How do you feel starting this thing out? <laughs> I am excited. My family loves Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. You know, again, like you guys said, I'm putting Star Wars over it. But just to get that confirmation, I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies. So Joe, one book, all movies. Jacob, all books, all movies. All books, all movies, yeah. Mike, all books, all movies. No, no, no. I stopped Ooh. reading at Goblet. So I have the books, but all the movies. So you have them right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how to read <laughs> after I finished the fourth one. Yeah, That's where out of it. Uh, no, I for have me, been to the Wizarding World though. I did go to the. Uh, oh the theme park shit! That's oh, something yeah. I have not done. And actually, I went to Universal Horror Nights last year, 
obviously before there was a global pandemic, but um, I went there for Hollywood Horror Nights and I saw the the Harry Potter shit like in the distance and I was like, can I go in there? And they're like, no, you don't have the right kind of bracelet, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm so close. Here, we so let far. the Death Eaters out. We let the, uh, what are the robe guys? We, we let those guys out. <laughs> the Dementors. The Dementors. The Nazgul. Oh, yeah, the Nazgul. Sorry. Oh, yeah, um, so yeah, that's one prison. thing that's on my Harry Potter bucket list, I guess, that I have not done is gone to the wizarding world of whatever it's called. I, you know, I will say, like, even as someone who openly was like, no, I don't like this stuff. It is impossible not to get into it while you're there. Like, I haven't been oh, to the one sure. out here on the West Coast, but I've been to the one on the East Coast. It's just like really stepping into a magical wonderland. So as much as I've said, like, no, I hate this shit. I had a blast. <laughs> uh, and, you know. I'm sure I'll back and forth on on every episode here. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I have, I have. This is my personal last question before we dive in, maybe to the first one. Houses. We all know there's houses in Harry mm. Potter. Do you identify with a certain house? I want to throw it to um, the founder of the feast, Jacob. J- well, Jaco. I don't know. We should we should try to guess each other's houses. I was houses about to ask. We should, should we guess, <laughs> Jacob? Jacob. So I feel like Jacob. you could guess mine. Or at least yeah. what I would say. You're in this tinted green dungeon right now <laughs> as you're sipping some sort of potion. So, yeah, Tons I'll go ahead dry and say ice. Slytherin. Yeah, no. I would say, yeah, I'm a Slytherin. I would say <laughs> he's where, where the, uh, what is it, the Ravencroft Institute? What are they, the Ravencroft? Right. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I, that's like my second favorite. Ones? Like, I always thought I was like a half Ravenclaw, half Slytherin. The only one I don't like at all is Hufflepuff. Uh, that's kind of the loser uh, hey, house. Hold on, hold on. on Side tangent right now, though. Joe, name the American ones from Fantastic Beasts. What do you think <laughs> those houses are called? Oh, oh I can. Uh, wart farts and, and. That's right. <laughs> Fr- no, this is Thunderbirds, all, um, the Wart Thunderbird, farts, yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> the Washington right, and the Cleveland LA Browns. Kings. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, one really called the Thundered Cats because that's the Thunderbird. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, Native American. Because basically, the American one was originally developed for Pottermore, the website that they started after the books all came out. There was like an online community, blah blah blah, um, and then that got brought into the Fantastic Beast series. But it's all a lot of it's based on like Native American lore and stuff because that's uh, you know America. So what not we- like. You say Thunderbird, I picture like Fonzie with a wand who's like <laughs> banging on a magical jukebox and a bunch of goblins come out. So Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a V8. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what do we call our website for more Harry Potter shit? Uh, Potter more? Potter. Great. Mm, really. All right. <laughs> so, but that is a good one, though. So, Jacob, did you yeah. do the Potter more? Did you discover you were a Slytherin yes. that way? Well, what I discovered is pretty easy to game the quiz to get whatever result you want to get. Because <laughs> it's like the yeah. questions will be like, what animal do you like? A snake? A lion? A lion? <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so a it's not a hard a quiz. Door. You can kind of get whatever result you want. But I did get Slytherin. But then you can kind of oh. like see what your wand would be made out of or whatever. And, you know, all that cool shit that we all care about so much. All that cool yeah, shit. Um, According to the movie... If- yeah. Basically, yeah, and you pick your core, but uh, I got and what wood type Dragon I don't know, this whole thing, maybe. but Yeah. <laughs> All right. I had a Phoenix core, but uh maple Damn. wood. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Mike, what Ravenclaw house did you get? That whole thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I would say oh, you're Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Yeah, I would, I would say said Joe. Gryffindor or maybe a bad boy Slytherin. Joe is Gryffindor for sure. Joe's Gryffindor um, yeah, for sure. Mike True. could go Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. Colin, I'm I just thinking figured... Ravenclaw for you. 
No, baby, Slytherin. Slytherin. Oh, yeah, I can see Slytherin as well. I just figured Join Gerard me. Way would be a Ravenclaw, so I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go there. So I mean, no one, yeah, it's no one's pretty... a Hufflepuff. Nobody wants to be a Hufflepuff. So. Yeah, it turns out. Let's be real. <laughs> I mean, you can pretty much yeah. break them down into cliches, right? So you have the heroes, the villains, Hello. the nerds, and then the people that don't fall into those three categories <laughs> go into Hufflepuff, basically. The losers. <laughs> the two-year yeah. accredited school, you're earning your certificate at the end of it. They don't give you a diploma. Yeah. Well, isn't Batman like a Hufflepuff, a though? Right? Batman? Batman? <laughs> Yeah, isn't uh, oh Robert Yeah, but that's something that never made sense to me because the way he's portrayed, he should be in Gryffindor too. So yeah, oh the the super charming heroes are all the super charming hero house. Like like, yeah, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you start thinking about too much. Nothing in this universe really makes sense, so just don't. Uh, Okay, on that note, we gotta dive in, folks. So I'm gonna rev up my little flying motorcycle here. Uh, You guys go ahead and get in the side cart and let's start our adventure. Welcome back, normies. I am taking my seat. The motorcycle didn't work out, so all of us are here on the Hogwarts Express. We're chugging to Hogwarts. We're very excited. Some uh, chocolate frogs, some jelly beans. Jacob Mm -hmm. keeps getting Voldemort for his card, though, so I'm I'm not feeling good about (laughs) that. It's weird that they made that one a card, but yeah. (laughs) Um, So obviously, uh, you know, the name of the movie slash book in America, right, is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But obviously, we all know the original title is uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Americans are dumb, dumb babies, so they need to call it Sorcerer's Stone so that people understand that because I guess they're just too confused by the word philosopher. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this whole title thing? Don't care that much, but yeah, it's like we said nothing makes sense if you think about it too much. Even the title of the whole first book, first movie, it's being changed in different regions. So Right. Well, they did just change it for America because obviously the Philosopher's Stone is a real thing. Alchemy or at least it's concept. a real legend. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it has to do with alchemy and it's a real thing from legend. Um but Americans we're dumb, dumb babies. We don't didn't, know that. Didn't test well in our, uh, you know, focus group. No one knew what it was, so we got to change that. <laughs> I was so Basically. confused by it when I was a kid because my brother was living abroad at the time. So when he uh-huh. read all the Harry Potters, he had the, you know, the versions over there. So it was the Philosopher's Stone. So whenever we would mm. talk about it, it would be the Philosopher's Stone because he was more right. into it than I was. Got yeah, so. I guess they just wanted to sell the books in America. Um, and the other, obviously, thing that they do is the author, right, J.K. Rowling, obviously her, she has more than just initials for names, but they, uh, because she was a woman, they wanted to just have her initials so that boys, because they wanted young boys to buy the books, right? And they thought if they if buy a female author, they wouldn't buy it. Same thing with Animorphs, K.A. Applegate is also a woman. So interesting little tidbit there i guess no, i remember when we did our animorphs episode go back and listen normies <laughs> we, we <laughs> talked all about that but i love that jacob i love those facts hit me with some timelines real quick here guys how old are we when all of this is happening um well for me like 
I was, I mean, we kind of all were cause we're all similar in age, but, um, I was basically the same age as Harry as he grew up through the books. So for me, it was like I was growing up with him, and that's something I really like because I did start reading him in third or fourth grade, whatever, when the Buddy, first one came there out. There is no human being alive who has not read these books and said to me, I had that exact <laughs> experience with Harry. I was the that's same That's what I'm saying. We all have. But... <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Uh, but age, but I am age the wise, exact what, age. You were, that... So he was 11. He gets the letter. You were 11 when the book came out? Well, not okay, not when it came out, but I was 11 when the movie came out. And I started, I didn't read the first book, right? I think those two first two books were out when I read the first one, because I believe I was in fourth grade. And obviously they didn't come out wow, you know, fourth grade. yearly, so it was a little off at points, because they came out every like two years or so, but you get the idea of what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, since I, you know, I read the first one in third or fourth grade and loved it, read the second one. Loved it, and then I was like, "All right, I'm down. I'm buying all these books when they as they come out," and that's what I did. So, I want to hear your guys' standouts, exact stories. I have mine down to a T. Again, whatever grade we were in, that would have been like fourth or third or fifth or some dumb thing like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Eleven years old, probably sitting there. I wasn't in detention, but me and a girl that I knew in class, in just our homeroom class, Cassie Cobb, this really cool Hawaiian chick, uh, didn't do our homework. So we had to go to like the back of the room and finish out our worksheets, right? And we're doing them and we're making small talk and a kid keeps going to the front of the class and he's trading a book and everybody's talking and looking around the book. And I say, what is that? And Cassie says, oh, you didn't know Brandon had just signed on for the next reading list. He's getting Harry Potter next. And I said, what is Harry Potter? Oh, it's a book about magic. I was a kid who had like a book at home that was like how to do magic. So I was like, oh, cool. That sounds great. <laughs> I thought it was and an instruction was like, book. Rope in a yeah, pot. that's kind of what I thought it was. And I was like, I'll put my name in next. And she was like, go look at the list, Colin. And I went up and the list was for a month already. People had called dibs to check out Harry Potter. And that was my oh, first sure. introduction to it where I was like, wow, this is going to be something. There's a sensation like in your you know, school, there was already a wait list. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was the same for me. And did you guys ever go to the Scholastic Book Fair? Of course. Are you guys familiar that with that? That was my experience with it. So it was, Colin, we were a little younger. I think it was like second or third grade when Damn. the first book came out. Um, and it was like a marquee had been built at the Scholastic Book Fair for Harry Potter. And they had the the cover of the book like blown up onto a poster. It was like half of the stock of the book fair was that one book. So that's when I got it. And that was, you know, the year. You had $2.50 for like a Snoopy poster, Joe. Because do you you remember how these Scholastic (laughs) Book Fairs went? You were going to get one of those like, how does it work knife books? (laughs) Yeah. No, I would go. I would get all my Animorph books there, yeah. um, and you know they had the little catalog, and you would just you know you'd get what you want and stuff. I always I always loved when they came in to town or whatever. Um, like I oh, said, yeah. you know I read a lot when I was a kid. I don't think kids these days understand. You know, no smartphones, no Netflix. I had an N sixty four, and that's it. Right. So very limited leisure time options. Right. So I was a reader and. I was into sci-fi and fantasy and this really fit the bill. And even the, even when I started reading them, I was like, this is a little, you know, I was a young kid, but I was still like, this is a little baby for me, but I was still like, you know, it's magic. So whatever, I'll roll with it. And then I just got hooked. 
See, Jacob, you're hitting it right on the, the, the nail on the head there. And that's why I gave up so quickly because it was like, isn't reading cool? Look, and it's like, and then Harry went no. to the zoo, period. The zoo was nice, but Harry didn't have a nice time, period. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this bullshit? Right. I'm like, you know, meanwhile, like the other books I was reading were like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Qui-Gon Jinn go on adventures that you never saw. These Joe are had like five files. goosebumps in his back pocket and fucking <laughs> Obi-Wan adventures. Totally. I yeah, believe that. Yeah. yeah. I, it was like those. For oh, I had those Obi-Wan. It just was like. Yeah, the Obi-Wan and Anakin adventures. Yeah, I had those too. Yeah, and like, you know, at this time I had already read Lord of the Rings, Joe, to kind of piggyback off you. Like, I had finished Lord of the Rings by this point. You know, and I was like into D&D and and that kind of shit. So I was like, oh, magic, you know, but it was like, yeah, you know, it's a little dumbed down. But I still like the universe. Got a ice cream and yeah. Harry Potter got a lemonade <laughs> ice pop. It was not. But I think let's, the audiobooks, Joe, to be I would fair, give like, I think to be fair, that's the first. The first book is like they get progressively more darker and more adult as they go on, right? Right. Basically, you grow she up learns with to write. Harry. Yeah, and I think the first one is the worst written because it is just a a child like a children's book. But they do become more young adult novels and they really kickstarted the entire young adult um literature you know thing yeah and much yeah, like the yaw movement <laughs> the right? yaw yeah. that's how it's called <laughs> yeah as colin said though everybody's experiences i grew up with harry and hermione and ron and like we were the same age and it's like that's yes, everyone know. in our generation <laughs> so yes. like mike i've heard it five years up and five years down yeah for people right? who are like no trust me like mine it was so interesting it was like my high school mirrored it perfectly i'm like you were just that age when you read the book but that's literally me <laughs> And that's literally what the, the books, YA target is. I read is. the books when they came out. By the time the fourth book was coming out, I was going to Borders for the midnight releases totally. every time. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I was, I was doing that. You know, doing the whole thing, dressing up, etc. Well, this whoa, whoa. book you were dressing up at the. <laughs> oh, you're right, well, Joe. Hit him, hit him right now. <laughs> yeah. What color was the robe? <laughs> yeah. You know, Where did I you mean, get the robe? <laughs> People, did you, you know, they it? did cos. There was Harry Potter cosplay. I don't know you, if you guys had, you know, went to Borders for these or Barnes oh, and Noble or whatever for the absolutely. midnight release parties. Yeah. I'm just shocked that you, Jacob, would dress <laughs> up to go, and this was your third favorite book series. <laughs> <laughs> well, by that time, they had surpassed the Animorphs. <laughs> no, like when the first one came out, it wasn't going as a first one is Tobias. Were you an he's, eagle? He's just got like an eagle head and a human. Oh, these deep cut animorph references, guys. I am yeah, Tobias here was for my them. favorite character. It's from fun the episode fact. that we did, yeah. the Patreon exclusive. Go back and listen. Yeah. No, Sign by the time by the time Goblet of Fire, and here's my thing is that Goblet of so I'll, my main thing is that four is the best book. Three is the best movie, right? Because four, mm. Goblet of Fire, is really where the book shifted into this really dark territory. And that's when I, they kind of surpassed Animorphs as, to become my second favorite book series because it got way better. Like the first two, especially, very kiddie. Third one, Prisoner of Azkaban, still a good book. You know, they're getting a little older. Fourth one on, they're teenagers and they're doing dark shit. People are dying. You know, there's relationship stuff. So, yeah, to, by that point, I was pretty into them. 
But here we are in episode one talking about like the train was on time and Harry got (laughs) on it. There was magic chocolate frogs. Like, like, you know, I mean, you can understand why it was like, no, don't feed me this bullshit. (laughs) No, I totally get that. And this first book, again, it's it's kind of year one for Harry. He's learning about that the wizarding world exists. You know, he's like the chosen one and he was mistreated kind of orphan child. And then he finally realizes that he's meant for something greater. Kind of the classic story in fantasy of the chosen one. And yeah, Hero's Journey. So this is the crossing the threshold. He's kind of entering into a larger world, as Obi-Wan Kenobi put it in Star Wars. Um, And it's really, um, you know, a total coming of age. The school structure, you know, obviously that's seen in a lot of things that the, you know, yearly school structure. A lot of animes, a lot of you know, anime, yeah, for sure. Sabrina that, the yeah. Teenage Witch. But had you seen it before this, guys? What? Seen the school stuff? Like just, a school well, set? But just sort of the, I know we touched on the YA of it all, but truly the, and I know we're saying Star Wars, but that was the big movie universe. There really wasn't stuff where it was like, oh, the young plucky hero. And trust me, everything he touches is going to be the coolest version of it. He's not just going right. to get an owl. He's going to get a snow owl. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right. yeah, yeah, you're just kind He's of gonna like, go to school, yeah, I can insert my first year and not immediately shame, become bro. the star of the Quidditch team. Of as a everything freshman. I touch. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a little we, wish we, fulfillment for sure. We hear the term Mary Sue thrown around, but like <laughs> Harry Potter in the first book really feels like that because he shows up and like everyone in Diagon Alley is like, oh my God, it's you. And then like he gets right. the best gear. He's the seeker. Like he's basically the quarterback <laughs> of the Quidditch team. His yeah, first like, year in. Didn't you know you're a secret millionaire, Mr. Potter? <laughs> oh, I am. Right. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Here's Harry the Potter best is room a, money can buy. <laughs> Harry Potter's well, a Mary Sue and Neville's the real hero. That's my take. Hey, I like I, it. We'll have to wrap here's that my up defense. through the eighth movie arc. Here's my defense <laughs> of Harry Potter because I don't think he – he has Mary Sueish aspects, right? But he does also have weaknesses. He's not the best in school. He slacks off. He's a troublemaker. And also, the main downside is that Harry's whole thing is that everyone he ever loved, basically all his parental figures, die constantly, and he's in this constant state of like, you know, all his family dying. So that's kind of balances out all the cool stuff that he does, right? Um, I guess. So okay. yeah, I can <laughs> I can see it's a little bit of wish fulfillment because yeah, he, but. In a way, I think it, it um, he's a sympathetic character because of his backstory. Yeah. This first to one, degree, too, yeah, it's to kind be. of the only time you see him as a loner. I know it's a lot of family introduction, you know, who his new family will be with the Weasleys and stuff. But other than the one where they start to lie to him, right, Jacob? You don't really feel the distance or isolation of Harry Potter other than this movie. And I really like that this, this time watching it. Um. Yeah, here's my Harry Potter compliment, because I will throw them out there. Colin, to get back to your original question, no, I had not seen this before when I started uh, reading and seeing Harry Potter. It was kind of the first time it was introduced to me as a child. You know what I mean? Like to be like, oh, this is a book series that you're going to see a hero's journey go through. That wasn't based on something existing or a ripoff of something that I already loved, like Frank Peretti novels that were just, you know, Indiana Jones novels without saying they were Indiana Jones novels. Like it was the first time that there was this much excitement about an original property that was a book for children that went on to be a bestseller right away. Damn. Right. 
Yeah, for me, I mean, there was your Chronicles of Narnia's, your Lord of the Rings, but those are to me were really old. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I read Chronicles of Narnia as a kid and I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was like, man, this is so old fashioned. Like, I want to read something that like is new. And Harry Potter really fit that that category. And yeah, just the timing and the subject matter of it being a school based kind of fiction and all the kids you're targeting it at are school children. Right. And there's a wish fulfillment. There's some fantastical element where it's like, yeah, I would want to go to a wizard school. I mean, when I was that age, it's like, yeah. I want to go to a wizard school and I want to do magic and like, right. Hang, like and that's, see dragons and stuff. That sounds awesome. And everybody kind of got excited at that age. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the boarding school structure of it allows people to get into it where they're like, yeah, I can imagine myself going there. I can, I know what house I would want to be in. All, I need, you know, my wand, I would, I would have a cat or a toad or whatever. Like that's why people got so into it online. You know, um, there was a budding community that was growing in the early days of the, early 2000s internet yeah yeah absolutely i think in that kind of fanfic not fanfic but that fandom that really grew especially with the early internet and the word of mouth happening in the schoolyard combined to create uh wildfire which would become the ya kind of template which spawns twilight and everything else twilight runner divergent Mm -hmm. uh, hunger games hunger games all that stuff none of that would exist without um Harry Potter. So, and then the yeah. film kind of spin-offs, you know, that are inevitably tied into these releases of books. It's almost as if they're written with that in mind now. And Harry Potter was, you know, not only did they do films, but they did them successfully, at least by my estimation, for the most part. So, yeah. maybe the uh, world building oh, yeah. is that. pretty special. The world Absolutely. building is great. I mean, financially, they they did gangbusters. I mean, they were, you know, this was before Marvel the MCU was a thing, obviously. So it was basically, it was the prequels. It was Harry Potter. It was Lord of the Rings. Those were like the big franchises at the time. They had Mm Spider-Man, you had X-Men obviously as well, but yeah. I will say this. It's Alan Horn was the producer at Warner brothers at the time. He was sort of in charge of that production of it. Guys, he gets ousted at Warner brothers for being too old that's what they tell him. Like, we don't really need you anymore. You're too old. Kevin Sujihara takes over a roller coaster executive. We know what ends up having to him with a sex scandal. But instead, uh, Alan runs over to Disney and helps make the Marvel movies. And you're just kind of mm. like, wow, like this guy, this guy just <laughs> got away with it, man. It's a big hero there to me. Right. Well, I will say getting into the movie a little bit, um, my opinion is that, you know, I like this movie. The first two movies are my least favorite of the whole series, right? Because I think there's a clear distinction. The two Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus directed ones, right? Then Alfonso Cuaron takes over the third one, totally changes up the tone, the aesthetic, like totally changes it. And from there on, I think that the movies actually got better, but I still respect what Columbus tried to do with these first two films as well. You brought up Chris Columbus, so let's go ahead and talk about the big Christmas tree in the room, of course, Home Alone. Jacob, you're going to say so much about the acting performances of this first film, but I was thinking so much about Home Alone this time watching it, and how Chris Columbus's directing style must just be to scream at these kids one emotion (laughs) to feel. Kevin! Kevin McAllister, you're scared. You're act yeah. scared. Like the way that he, Daniel Radcliffe, who's probably as tall as he still is uh, in this first movie, um, the way that he acts in this film, it's really interesting to watch him because you can almost feel like someone gives him one emotional line reading and he totally. thinks, 
I'll be scared the whole scene. It doesn't matter what yeah. anybody's saying. I'll just have my mouth open and look scared or I'll smile the entire time. And he says lines that don't match his emotions so many times. Yeah, and I guess there's a challenge too because, I mean, you're working with kids who have a limited amount of time. The entire cast is kids. And, you know, I guess they were running four cameras at least on every scene because they had to basically piece the scenes together based on every individual take because the kids were right. hard to work with in that God sense. Damn. Yeah, which... But it, it, well, at the same time, I want to flip that coin over and say, like, I think the ambition of this movie to have that many kids, like, even the background and, like... Totally. It, for a kid's movie and, like, the scale that they went for, I don't think there's anything like it that's using that many children of that age. So I'm really impressed with that and, like, the set design and the world building that they do do in this movie. There's Plot, no I have some stars... Issues in the movie you know think about it that way like alan rickman what he had done galaxy quest and die hard like that's what people right, really yeah. knew him for there was no box office draw beyond the harry potter name the name so like yeah. that's also pretty bold it's not like it was like and you know and all the kids tom were... cruise is is dumbledore yeah. like there wasn't mm-hmm. that kind of pull to to get audiences in it really was just like banking on people wanting to see this this little boy's journey right all the kids were no names obviously at the time um but to go back to what you're saying mike i do think all the especially the main trio they all get better as they age at acting they do to a degree um but yeah i think the main trio in this not great i mean they're obviously kids but i think hermione's probably the best out of them in this one but even she's like just overemphasizing everything she says to the point where it's like you know, this is the one emotion I wanted to hit. Wingardium right? Leviosa. <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> she does the best job. I think Harry's actually the worst of the main three. Because like you said, he just like, he's so flat to me the whole time. He's just like act scared or confused, basically. Um, <laughs> but I do I mean, think they'll be for a kid to identify with if a kid's watching it. But it, yeah. looking with yeah. adult eyes, it's like, yeah, it's a little... But I, mean, I think the, the most impressive of thing. the story, right? Like he's yeah. the, the fish out of water. So there's really not much for him to do other than just look aghast. Right. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. the impressive thing about the casting is just that they were able to cast these no-name kids, and then for the most part, they all kind of grew into the roles over time. And it's really hard to do that, where you have to cast these kids, and you have to like imagine what they're going to be like by you know book eight, where it's like, okay, they're all eighteen years old now. Hopefully, they all they don't turn into uggos or something, or they're all decent <laughs> actors by that by that age. Uggos. It's like trying to recruit a K-pop group. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so I think even though they're not great in this one, I think they nailed the main trio in terms of who they grew in to be. They nailed, you know, Neville, Draco, like. Well, Neville was the the ugly duckling. Yeah, he, oh, they he got hot. Out he was there, supposed yeah. to be an ugly Think about Dursley hot. or Dudley yeah. or whatever his name is, Harry Beltnick, who Jacob and I are so mm-hmm. eager to talk goddamn Queen's Gambit. So watching this and the chess scene at the end, I was like, Ugh. oh, he <laughs> was in he was in Queen's Gambit. Yeah, dude, yeah. he's like the second boyfriend or whatever. Oh, I didn't even realize. I, remember, I guess he yeah. lost weight and stuff, but that makes a lot of sense. Oh, he, he looks amazing. He neveled. Yeah. They're, they're both uh, right. you know, beautiful swans now. He neveled. He neveled. <laughs> he neveled. <laughs> but yeah, but um, like even Draco, I think, 
you know, he grew he grew in to be a good actor. I think he might be actually the best actor of the kids. Tom Felton. Tom Felton's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just the casting of the teachers, I think it's just spot on. I mean, Alan Rickman as Snape. I can't imagine anyone else as Snape. And Richard Harris will always be my my Dumbledore. No offense to Michael Gambon, who I think is also good, but it's Richard Harris, right? He's so old. Yeah, and it's it should be noted that Chris Columbus agreed that he would use an all-British cast when he talked to J.K. Rowling to get her blessing, regardless if anyone cares about her blessing now, but she also had a private conversation with Alan Rickman explaining the story of Snape right. and his kind of love for Lily. So the only person on earth besides her who knew the twist was Alan Rickman, rest his soul. Mike, to that fact that you just told, the one twist I wish they would have made, originally, instead of Robbie Coltrane for Hagrid, they talked to Robin Williams until they put yeah. down the British clause. I would have fucking loved oh, that. Mm-hmm. I, I, that would have been amazing. I don't know if I would have liked that, but um, actually that was a big sticking point for Rowling where she really wanted Robbie Coltrane, so she pushed hard for them. The studio wanted Robin Williams, which... I can't imagine what that would have been like, but um, to me, Hagrid is perfect as well. So <laughs> it's me. But, um, it's a the, dragon. Yeah, it would be. It'd be like the genie in Harry Potter. It'd just be weird. But <laughs> Harry, yeah. Harry, it's oh, fluffy. Out, Harry. <laughs> nice to meet you. How are you doing, Harry? Welcome to Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah. Good but morning, I, the, Hogwarts. That, but that all British thing um, uh, <laughs> stays throughout the entire series. Like, I don't think there's a single American or any other nationality. I mean, there's Scottish and Irish actors, but that's it throughout yeah, the whole series. I don't know series. why we're and praising it, that. Like, I'm, I'm going to put the kibosh on that. What Batman gets well, to be a Brit, but no Harry Potter can't be. Uh, some, some <laughs> well, the problem is, first of all, Indiana. Americans, Americans can't do British accents most of the time. Um, so it, well, that, <laughs> but okay. I don't know if that's true. But it, it became kind of like a rite of passage for every big British actor had to be in some kind of small role in Harry Potter down the line. So I just think that's kind of fun to be included. And the other fun fact is there was no swearing on set because of the children, and that made it all the way through all eight mm. films uh, as well. That so seems there you go. Borderline fact. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The whole Harry Potter <laughs> franchise. Joe, I like salty. it, Joe getting tired of your negative opinions already um so this first movie though it is long oh yeah Did anybody yes like, let's talk a well, that's something about the casting and that's stuff, something i can yeah. explain as well so for the first two movies they tried to literally adapt every single thing that's in these books every scene everything and by the by the time alfonso curan comes on for the third one he's like <laughs> no we're not going to do that that's going to be a three and a half hour movie at this point because the first two movies are the longest two movies, but the shortest books. So if they kept doing that by, the, you know, the books just get longer and longer. So it never would have worked. And there's a bunch of stuff cut out of Prisoner of Azkaban, but I think it's a better movie because of that. Let's talk about that pop culture trend for just a bit, because I do remember when these books were getting released, people would be like, and I hear the next one's going to be, you know, 800 pages or something. We'd all kind of laugh and say, no, no way. And they would come out and they would be these mammoth things. Oh, yeah. And it was the only time in history i remember this where kids would be like well i finished it in a day well i finished it in you know six hours well i finished it they would do speed reading i would do speed reading with my brother to see who would get the copy of the book because we would only get the one yeah specifically i remember picking up goblet of fire the fourth book at midnight at borders and starting to read it i stayed up all night i was you know at a sleepover at my friend's house and i'm just reading this book and i don't stop i don't put it down until I finish this 800 page book or whatever. 
and uh, it was a great time. Hey, these were all. Wow, we gotta save that for the Goblet. Of... But you read that in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, the fir- yeah the first time I read Whoa. it, I just speed run I just world didn't record put it holder. down. Well, it took maybe like twenty four hours or whatever, but. Yeah. These were all solo adventures Insane. for us, though, right? Because I know some kids a little bit younger than us who are like, well, my parents read aloud before bedtime the first two, right? None, none of that happened for you guys. Uh, my mom did that, too, for the early books. My Aw, really? As a kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, me and my siblings. Cause I bet Harry I have, wishes he had I also had, had younger siblings, up. too, so it was kind of me and my other siblings as well. What a sweet memory. That's really that nice. That is nice. It was nice, yeah. And I... I think a lot of people have warm kind of family memories associated with these books generally Look, too, which is Joe a big keeps talking draw. about how dumbed down and sensitized they are, or desanitized. I would read these to my kids when they're like four or five. I think that might be the right age. It's not like what? I would have to explain what snogging is? Like, no, they're not gonna ask that. Well, no. people you, die. I think that's the main thing. Is there some eh, kind of traumatic death? I guess scenes in the he later who will not books? be named I mean, is scary, just the concept of him. I guess yeah. Bambi's mom dies. Like, yeah, kids, kids aren't kids aren't that dumb. Like, they get it, right? You, yeah. If you would show them Star Wars, you should be able to read them Harry Potter or show it to them. I agree. So they're trying to adapt every scene from the book, and it feels like that. Like we get yes. to Hogwarts at like the fifty minute mark, and then every <laughs> ten minutes there's like a set piece. Like every right. ten minutes from then on, there's so much happening with the troll, with the three headed dog, you know, and uh, it's the literally every. Everything. Every chapter, every yeah. scene is included in the second book too. And it's just like, I respect what they were trying to do, but that's not how you make a good movie. You, you can't make a literal adapt adaptation of a novel. It's got to, you got to cut stuff. That's how adaptations work. And that's why the movies got better. I think with starting with the third one. Yeah. And I remember being a kid and being like, Oh, Quidditch. And there's two scenes of this. Hell yeah. You know, but do you need that? <laughs> probably not. Like one is probably okay. Um, and so it does feel like the pacing is weird because it's like it's really slow setting up stuff. You get to Hogwarts and then there's just big thing after big thing. Time is kind of jumping. It's it's a little weird. Right. These these movies are like sleeping pills to me. Um, I've seen almost all of them in theaters with my mom who promptly fell asleep about 20 minutes <laughs> into the movie and then would wake up at the end of it. Uh, oh, Joe, wow. that kid's flying. <laughs> this is... Um, the first one's probably the one I've seen the most, though, even though it's the worst, because every once in a while... Second again, movie's like, I, the worst. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, Just yeah, a heads up. I know I've said a, a ton of negative stuff, but like every once in a while, I'll get to hanker into like marathon all of these, right? Like I'll want to be like, you know what? I rewatched Star Wars, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings. I need something to, to just watch all of them, uh, and I almost never finish. I always watch the first one, get you know, past maybe Goblet of Fire and then and then I'm done. So <laughs> this first one, I think, is probably the one I've seen the most. That's interesting, Joe, because this is one of the ones I've seen the least because actually when I go back and do my, you know, if I want to marathon them all or something, I a lot of times I'll start with the third movie and just watch three through seven part two because I just don't like the first two that much. Damn. I'm just like, skip those, start on the third one, which is good, and then go from there. Yeah, like with Star Wars now, I'm going to stop at the sixth one and just call it, call it, call it quit. You, <laughs> you know, it's like the reverse so, order. This is kind of obvious to say because it is the first book introduced, but Jacob, wouldn't you say this is pretty true for maybe the first three? Uh, this introduces the pretty bad structure that these books slash films will have, which is mystery, 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 kind of solve the mystery, 
kid ends up in a hospital bed where the entire film is explained to him. Where Dumbledore is like, this is what was actually going on. Oh, I'm hurt. We won the cup. Here's some extra points. Hooray! Like, that's pretty um, much three of them, I think, right? I think the first two is like that. I think the plots of three and four are actually pretty good. Like, those are my two favorites, I think. I mean, Goblet of Fire, everything that happens at the end of Goblet of Fire is, like, really cool. And then Prisoner of Azkaban, there's the whole Time Turner thing, which I think is interesting. Um, but then he does get stuff explained to I'm him by I'm pretty Dumbledore. sure he gets bonked on the head and ends up in the <laughs> hospital, Jacob, and gets things explained sure. to him. So I yes. don't know about that. But this is why I say there's a the transition from kid to adult in the books is the fourth book. But it's the third movie. Because the fourth book is where it got really dark. Cedric Diggory obviously just gets murked right in front of Harry and he's like oh shit um and that's when shit gets real and that's when he meets Voldemort in person for the first time and he's come back to life but we'll get to that in about four weeks right but here we're also introducing the trope right of oh whoever your defense against the dark arts teacher is is going to be the bad guy (laughs) that's the bad guy (laughs) well not always no it's just different every year but sometimes it's Lupin it's always the new teacher though or like yeah that's that's the running bit is that it gets reading process is not very good (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's the thing that I liked like I liked kind of how formulaic these were to a certain degree because it's kind of a reliable structure 400 points to Gryffindor because fuck you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and because you were a child when you read them. Right. Right, but they're four children. So they're not supposed to be serious literature, right? So you can't be yeah. too hard on them for being four children. No, I mean I'll I'll be serious. C.S. Lewis would just again they're fun. I, they're uh, better written know, than like Twilight. They're better written than most of these YA. Are books they? Series. Are they written? I guess that's oh yeah, kind Twilight my... is garbage. Like Twilight is like a bad fan fiction. I mean, I've never read Twilight, but I would defend it in that I don't think Harry Potter's all that well written from from the one book I read when I was in third grade. <laughs> this well, is the like only I'm one you have an authority fair, to yeah. speak on, Joe. That's the so worst book, you get, though. That's why they it. get better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll die on that hill. The the Maze Runner is is just as valid. It just didn't get a bunch of people excited. It just came later, yeah. Maybe. It was like the golden compass. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the weird Harry Potter stuff then with the universe, right? That's just kind of like, because the first movie oh, does yeah. set up stuff. I mean, like, like Quidditch being a completely ridiculous and stupid game with stupid rules. Yeah, Quidditch yeah. Is never, would never work as a competitive professional sport. Like, it's, it's too unbalanced. The snitch is worth 150 points, but, the, but a normal goal is worth 10 points. So the only way to win without catching the snitch is to be up by 15 goals on the other team when they catch the snitch. So, yeah, it makes no sense. But that's the thing where, like, if you don't think about it too much, it's okay. I want to tell my children, don't think about it too much (laughs) as they're growing (laughs) up. What if you had to say soccer? No, no, no. We don't really know how it works. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing is that, you know, this is one person making all this shit up, right? probably not a sports fan so she doesn't understand how sports work so she makes this game that the scoring makes no sense most of the game is completely pointless and only the two seekers are the important parts of the game which are generally our most important characters in the scene (laughs) yeah it is cool though i will give quidditch that man yeah the flying around it's well that's the thing it's in the best part of the movies yeah, it is cool, but I think all it really needs is a rebalancing. Like, make the snitch worth 50 points instead of 150, <laughs> and it 
instantly becomes a viable sport. Jacob, but, you would be the Roger Goodell of the Quidditch world. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll commit. We I'll need divisions. <laughs> I'll make things fair. Look, yeah, the like in Goblet of Fire, reducing weight by fourteen grams. In the yeah, in the beginning of the Goblet of Fire fourth book, they go to the Quidditch World Cup, and it's some of the like most interesting chapters of the whole series. A lot of it cuts out in the movie, so if you guys haven't read that book, but it's super interesting. Um, so yeah, well, I, it's I've cool been meaning story. to ask this, Mike. Did you get my request on fantasy Quidditch? Uh, I've got Victor <laughs> Crumb up to trade, dog. <laughs> yeah, I, how did you get Victor Crumb? Good draft. Oh, he's like the bro. LeBron. Well, I got James that waiver wire, baby. Quidditch. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, my opponent's got Harry Potter, and I hear he's really good, even though he's oh, a freshman. No. Oh, you you won. <laughs> no, I'm against him. He's a freshman, but somehow he made the the team. And, well, Harry uh, Potter is a student. Victor Crumb is a professional. Uh, Quidditch player, not to poke Who holes in your also so a student though. <laughs> Still makes he? more or sense. Is that, in the book. is that just? We'll get to him. We'll get to him. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But um, so we we got we don't. All right, Quidditch is dumb, confirmed. But the visual of it is very exciting. And Quidditch like, is I dumb. Like I've, of it. I've got a stand out one, Mike. Let me ask you this. So this time when I was watching it, and Jacob already brought up the toad, but. The line uh, that Hagrid does when they go to Diagon Alley, you'll need either an owl, a cat, or a toad. <laughs> this time I was like, how does any messaging work in this world? My mom has two cats in Tennessee, and unless they get a speed boost that the owl gets, how is a letter well, getting the, to me You don't send letters with the cats. Only the owls are used for letters. But if you don't have a personal owl, you just use one of the school owls. Oh, you just oh got what? Yeah, all the, yeah. The cat and the toad don't send mail. <laughs> but he says it in the list of three. I thought yeah, I was it's like, like those okay, are the so pets frog that you can shows bring. up in my door with a with a package, a huge UPS package. <laughs> so no, you're allowed to bring a pet. There's only one Ron pet has with utility. His, uh, he's yeah, got he's got scabbers. Yeah, he's got scabbers. The rat. Um, Hermione a gets human. a cat later, right? So Crookshanks, the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, Crookshanks. But uh, yeah, have cats. Yeah, you can have cats, you can have toads, you can have any kind of magical. I did not understand that animal. It's yeah, gotta be like weird, a though. weird animal though. You can't yeah. just be like this is can't this be a is dog. dog. No <laughs> dog, Newt. They're too dumb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, that's weird. The, the owls and uh, no, you yeah. gotta ha- you gotta use a school owl. Must be a Weasley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> When, um, he, when he poor shames Ron like oh, Malfoy yeah. right away, I'm well, like, Damn, yeah, no. the whole overarching well, thing for Jack is you're either is poor big... or you're mixed race. And you go, oh, oh Jesus Christ. There are some it. themes in this. Yeah, well, yeah, there's some true. class dynamics themes in this. I mean, all the, you know, the Malfoys are like the super rich old blood kind of aristocrat blonde freaking elitist you know yeah and that's when you when you get further into the series you realize actually the wizarding world has these massive problems where there's this super racist group of rich bad evil wizards that hate you know muggles muggle-born and half you know muggle people Mm -hmm. um so obviously it's an allegory for racism and, and bigotry and all that pretty basic stuff but as a kid i was like oh shit yeah, as a creator, well though, for a kid, though, yeah, yeah it's a just, good thing if, to have as a writer. Teach them. I would never want to be someone who's like, and I invented a slur, mud blood. <laughs> you go, oh nope, <laughs> mud blood. <laughs> well, um, we just discussed how we. I, I want to revise "sand people" as a term that is used regularly yes. in Star Wars. So, <laughs> as a positive <laughs> right. term, yeah, no, we need but to no, but it makes sense. Raider. And I mean, Voldemort is like literally wizard Hitler, basically. So that's what she's going for. It's pretty unsubtle but at the same time well done i think this really is star wars then 
We got Obi-Wan, uh, yeah. Dumbledore. True. We got Harry Skywalker and uh, Darth Voldemort. Exactly. And then yeah. uh, is there a crossover I, in right, actors? I'm, I'm back in. <laughs> I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, it, I mean, there's what's no that? Actor crossovers for Star Wars that I know of between the two. Um, well, let's think. What British actors? Oh no, no, Warwick Davis. Warwick oh, Davis is a yeah. huge character in these, Mike, and in Star Wars. You're totally yeah, right. Dude. We did it. Wow. And the <laughs> poster artist is the same. Basically, uh, if you can go. think of any um, any big actors from England in the last 30 years they've probably been in Harry Potter in some kind of role yeah um, but you know but that's like Ewan McGregor is Scottish but I guess he hasn't been in Harry Potter Liam Neeson is Irish but he hasn't been in Harry Potter but you get well, we're saying in the UK actors from the United Kingdom and you know covers all yeah, that anybody who's Welsh yeah Eva McGonagall wanted her kind of character to have a Scottish accent and her hat was a little more Scottish influence yeah. when they designed it so you, you get all that yeah maggie smith she doesn't well, while we're just doing those i'll she point doesn't out she too, was old know. 20 years ago and she's still old <laughs> yeah that doesn't make any sense Uh, people have pointed out the race stuff for J.K. Rowling, like Cho Chang, unfortunately. I'll point out in this one, two who really stood out to me. What's his name? Seamus O'Finnegan or whatever, the Irish IRA yes. bomber. I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. It's just and eating then, a raw potato at the table. Hi, to die, to die. And then the Quidditch guy who starts to coach him, who's obviously a Scott, too, he's just a hooligan. He's wearing a knit oh, sweater yeah. the entire he's time. Like, I was like, J.K. Rowling, come on. Well, this the, in the books, too, like a lot of these characters were very, um, you know, stereotyped. And even later, she was asked on Twitter, like, was there any Jewish students at Hogwarts? And she's like, uh, yes, Anthony Goldstein. I saw you were just going to potion class. It's me, Anthony Goldstein. Just wanted to let you know I go here. (laughs) All right, half god man. For someone whose uh, ideas feel like they were just shit out on the floor, I'm not surprised that she decided that at one point wizards just literally (laughs) shit on the floor. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, should we address the the elephant in the room? Yes, that's a great. (laughs) Let's do it right now. So she who must not be named. It turns out (laughs) Mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling. Now, listeners, normies like us, you're more than welcome to comment. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. We're just giving you ours, but we are all of agreement here. Um, Trans women are women. Uh, You know, we did a lot of delicate discussion when we were deciding to do this. Jacob pitched this, like he said, a year ago after we did Mm -hmm. our Star Wars talk. There's a lot of abuse allegations going on right now with Johnny Depp and stuff. Again, Mm. we don't know. We don't know. It's all bad. He was just fired, too, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, with JK, I mean, it's unfortunate because it's like, um, you know, obviously a lot of kids and I assume a lot of trans kids and LGBT kids growing up probably were hugely, you know, influenced by Harry Potter. So it's really a shame in that regard. Um, so, but you know, death of the author, I think we can look past her views and still take the series for what it is. And all the other people that worked on the movie, they shouldn't be, you know, lumped in as well. So, yeah. I think you can't have it both ways is my opinion for her. Like Mike just made the shitting on the floor comment. She was very happy to 
add text afterwards to take that focus and say there were gay characters i didn't write them but it turns out dumbledore was a gay character okay on the page and then when everyone starts calling her out for opinions now and she says well don't listen to my opinions you should just read the books as they are you can't have it both ways yeah once the series had once the book series had ended she did try to retroactively like be woke in certain ways um the the trans stuff is more recent i think the turf stuff where it's like I mean, I think she was doing this a year ago, too, but it wasn't as uh, publicized. Yeah, but um, she just needs to stop tweeting or something because um, it's just, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I, think of a couple I mean, people I'll, take, um, I'll take death of the author when it's also death of her career because, like... <laughs> well, she's, she's already rich. A, yeah, well, she's also not, like... I, look, I hate this lady for a million different reasons. Her views... Uh, her, her status, the way she, like you said, like very performatively became woke and was like, no, of course I never put it in the text or addressed it at all, but obviously all of this was happening. And then like when uh, a black actress was cast on Broadway as Hermione, she was like, well, I always kind of thought Hermione was black, even though she's right. described physically in the first book. Like I just well, I think, I hate her so I think she, much. Yeah. With the with the black Hermione, I think she could have said, you know, she could be black. It's not. I don't. I don't know what she said exactly, but I'm fine with her being. She could be black, but she didn't intend for her to be black when she was writing. Let's be real. Yeah. So just or be she would have written her as black. Like you yeah. can't. Like you. Like Colin said, you can't have it both ways. I will continue to punch down on Harry Potter every single episode because I hate that woman so much. Yeah. Um, and like Ooh. again, like this is one of those things that is so should give everyone the warm and fuzzies. And like you said, there's a whole generation of kids who is going to grow up and basically like the person who invented their favorite things doesn't think their existence is valid. That's, that's yeah. really bad. It sucks. And, um, and, and yeah, yeah, it's, that's true. Joe. That's a it's, painful point, but a valid one to make. Yeah. And I think it's doubly, you know, strange and, and bad because, Obviously, we know her story, like her famous story of her basically being homeless and very poor at the time when she was writing the first book. Um, She lost her job. I think she got divorced. So she was in a real spiral. Then she writes this book on napkins sitting in a coffee house, gets it published, and is now the richest lady in England. In the UK, yeah. Um, So she, she came from, you know, literally the lowest to she's now, you know, the 1%. And it's like... I would think that someone with that kind of backstory would be more uh, sensitive to, you know, marginalized people. But that's just me, I guess. She has a series of children's books, the Ichabog, and then she has that um, detective series. She Robert writes under Gale a pseudonym. Yes. Has anyone ever read another J.K. Rowling book? I haven't even read no, the Fantastic Beasts. So the Fantastic Beasts I did read because it's it's not even a, a a novel. It's just like a basically a fake textbook. Um, there was just this little, and there was another one called The History of Quidditch that I got at the same time. Um, but uh, these Robert Galbraith mystery novels that she does, I have not read any of them. The most recent one that she put out, literally the villain is a like cross-dressing like, trans person, basically. So it's just like Jesus. she's really leaning oh, into it. Right, so. It's dressed to yeah. kill. It's Brian De Palma's dressed to kill. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, JK. So that's yeah, unfortunate. It's, uh, well, and Mike, you will is, sign my petition, right, to get J. Jonah Jameson on the books and switch it from J.K. Rawlings to J.K. <laughs> Simmons as the author? 
And then we'll finally get Joe on board because there'll be at least some mention of Spider-Man. <laughs> there might be the Potter Man. You never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I know I've said a bunch of negative things. I do genuinely enjoy these movies. I do get the warm and fuzzies watching them uh, at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I am glad we're talking about them. But that woman just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth that I'll never look at these the same way. Right. Like, again, yeah. death of the author, I get it. But like Colin said, she, she never stopped. And also, like, she all of a sudden became a, a screenwriter, even though she had never written right. screenplays before. Like, yeah, I, I but hate this lady. I think there's a little bit of, um, like, schadenfreude at seeing her, her her movies that she has, like, full control of failing so completely. Because, um, like, literally, you know, she had input on the Harry Potter movies, but she didn't write the scripts. She didn't have that much control over them. These Fantastic Beast movies, she is the screenwriter of these movies. She's, you know, devising everything that happens. And the fact that they're so bad and they failed so miserably gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, comeuppance for her, I think. But boy, did it really make me feel good to know the backstory of that snake in the zoo. When I saw Nagini <laughs> and knew that it was that other lady right. from the yeah. wizard yeah, circus, worth it. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think to a degree, right, you know, death of the author, we're going to beat that freaking phrase to death. But it's like, at a certain point, I think there's a large part of the fan base in the community that have kind of, they can kind of rend ownership of this from her, not literally or legally, but at least like philosophically and like, you know, morally, they can own it and have this version of the Harry Potter universe that is inclusive, that isn't bigoted because of the author where yeah of course hogwarts would be an accepting place you'll have the malfoys but they're fucking assholes but you know in the world of harry potter there should be room for everyone right and that's the universe should reflect that and even if jk rowling doesn't agree with it right and that's the fan base can make that canon in their own hearts and i think that's kind of where we're at and that's what's so weird about it too is that so many of the themes of this series is like no we should like accept everybody and everyone should be treated as equals and it's like doesn't you know doesn't make sense doesn't compute but right yeah so we're looking at these as purely what they are not who they're derived from and that's uh, this the that's very right. first and normies we'll probably bring that up again a couple times as we're moving through these in the future as our feelings are sort of shifting and moving not that they're going to go the other way but just to keep reiterating this is what we feel while we're doing this like mike said loving our heart somebody who i thought had an incredible response to it you know he's bad in this movie but Daniel Radcliffe has grown up into such a nice young little man. And if uh, any listeners do feel bad about J.K. Rawlings and stuff, look up Daniel Radcliffe's statement on it that he wrote for a magazine. Uh, I just think it's so beautifully put. Yeah, and Emma Watson and I think even Rupert Grant, I think all three of them came out and were like, uh, we don't agree with her. So, you know, but yeah, it's good that they did that, I think. Yeah. And, you know, as we go through, right, you know, again, this seven, eight more of these, we'll see about Grindelwald. We've done an episode on that. But yeah, keep that in the back of your mind that this is an examination of kind of these works of pop culture and their place in it and uh, kind of the memories that we've associated and grown with them, you know, along that time. But yeah, fuck J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Fuck J.K. Rowling. We got BS and she who should not be named. <laughs> BS right. and JK. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, should we talk about the movie more now? Yes. Let's hit some standout moments. Jacob, what was really singing for you on this watch through? Oh, well, I mean, um, like I said, it's not my favorite. I think it's my second 
least favorite. I think Chamber of Secrets is the worst movie, which we'll get to next week. Um, so crazy. Mm-hmm. But this Can't one, wait. I think it's this one is a good introduction into the world. I mean, it has a lot to set up, the entire wizarding world. I think it, it does the atmosphere well, um, where you really believe that you're at this magical castle, Hogwarts and everything. And like I said, I think the, the casting is just totally inspired. I mean, the, all the professors, they just nail them. And I think that continues throughout the series. I can't really think of too many actors that I feel are miscast in their roles throughout this whole series. Um, like I said, Alan Rickman, Richard Harris, uh, which I love. Dame Maggie Harris. Smith. Yes. Um, and like I said, you know, Richard Harris is the best Dumbledore. Um, unfortunately, he did pass away between the second and third movies. So they had to recast that role. Um, what about Jude Law? Oh, well, Jude Law as young Dumbledore. Uh, love him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Second best Dumbledore. Gotcha. You did get me there. But he's in a much worse movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, and, and Hagrid. Hagrid is one of my favorite characters of the whole series. Um, yeah. You know, I was I thinking think- this time, Jacob, why weren't there more characters in this series who did like a functionality with their wand? I like that he has the umbrella. And when I was well, a, a kid... Whole- yeah. Well, I would There's just whole... daydream when I was young, when I was like, if I went to that school, kind of like you guys said, how you can watch it and be like, oh, it's so easy to self-insert and I would do this and these kids would be my friends. I used to have this fantasy where I was like, and I'll have a tiny wand that'll like grow into like a sword or something. And I was like, no, nah, that's not really this series. Right. Well, I'll give you the canon answer for why Hagrid has that because there is one and it's delved into in the second uh, movie, which we'll get to next week. Hagrid got uh, well. Hagrid got expelled from Hogwarts, right? Because he right. Uh, and obviously, we have to, we'll talk about it next week. But um, Hagrid is technically not allowed to use a wand or do magic, so he put his wand into that umbrella to hide the fact that he has a wand. So he's technically not even allowed to use magic. So that's the in canon explanation hmm. for your question. A lot of rules in this universe are too many. Also, some might uh, say, Mike, <laughs> vaguely a- applied or adhered. They get to. more uh, circumstantial. They get are you more telling defined. me a franchise that had a fake textbook published has too many <laughs> rules to follow? It's a whole world they got yeah, set up. It's selective with its rule following, where no student may ever leave their rooms at night. <laughs> Unless you save the school, yeah, at which point right. you'll be awarded you 400 points. <laughs> Unless you're and Harry and his two friends who do it constantly for the next year. Well, and here's how magic works. We're introduced to a spell on the train where Ron says, his best friend Ron Weasley, I, I know a trick to turn my rat scabbard yellow. Yellow, mellow, dibbity-dabble. And he does like a dumb little poem. It doesn't work. And then later we learn like, no, it's all like Latin, Wingardium right, Leviosa right. and all this Which stuff. Which you think I'm he like, would know because he was raised in a wizard family. So he would know what a spell sounds like. But a lot of the things in this book specifically, she wrote this book before she had the whole series planned out, right? As we get... Before she knew what she was doing. Yeah. I mean, this was... Truly. maybe didn't even think she would ever get to write a sequel so this was really truly the most children's uh book of them all and it's the least connected to the canon that she would later develop over time so as we get more into them the universe will start to make more sense over time i think all right but I hope so, because I don't know how that glass disappeared in the zoo there was no wand and there was no latin <laughs> he just blinks right. away man well, one thing that yeah. I don't like about the, some of the later movies is what they end up doing where, you know, in this one, they're saying the names of the spells and stuff. In the later ones, they're just like shooting 
you know, lightning. You just think about green it. and like red and yeah. each other. Where yeah. they're literally just like laser pistols that they're shooting each other. That's not really how magic <laughs> Which, works in the books. It kind of takes <laughs> Which uh, is, Star Wars' yeah. color palette. The red, the green, the it dark. Does, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There's a dark, they talk about the dark side, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> so the, the Death Eaters are the Sith of this world. But um, that's something that always bothered me as a little pet peeve in later movies because wordless magic in the books is supposed to be like super rare and hard to do, but everyone's doing it later when they're battling. In the books, you have to say the name of the spell like every time. So just a little nitpick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, if I could jump in on my kind of standout moments or things like that i mean there's a lot in it um again just the scale the the kind of ambition to create this world for the first time on screen and do it at the scope that they did with the number of children that they did and kind of the the great hall i mean it looks amazing some of the ghosts look a little weird but yeah just bringing that world from the book to life like the moving staircases you know good on them not the greatest plot wise or paced but man to just create the world so that i could imagine myself there perfect Speaking yeah, of scale, Mike, how about the miniatures that were used? You've got Hogwarts is obviously like a hugely elaborate miniature. And then I'm thinking mm-hmm. that weird house that the Dursleys go to for vacation where they're like, nobody will find us here. There's that weird area right. around it where it kind of looks like a model. Well, where like that doesn't even make sense in the oh, plot either because it's like what they just had this vacation house on this deserted <laughs> island randomly. It's like the Isle of Man or something. It's like <laughs> off the coast of England. <laughs> Yeah. Completely inhabitable. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, um, yeah, like the way they define the geography of Hogwarts is used throughout the series, even if it changes slightly over time. This movie definitely sets up a lot of things that are still used in the later movies. Joe, do you have any standout moments from this movie in particular? Yeah, the, uh, you know, the emotion I got watching it. Like, like I said, these were movies I saw in theaters and I did read the book and you know, I have done yearly rewatches at points and it just felt so good to have a blanket on and watch this movie. Even some of the really bad CGI with like, yeah, some of the, some of the moments that have that kind of like, Ooh, that didn't age well. I don't know. It's still kind of hit right for me because it is a kid's movie, which I think is important to like keep saying that, it is for children and like, yeah, the CGI didn't hold up, but like, I don't know. It's, it still got me all warm and fuzzy watching it. So even it though I said you... a bunch of negative stuff, I did very much enjoy rewatching Seeing it. the three kids, Joe, knowing that they're movie stars now, does it kind of make you go, geez, oh, Two of them are movie stars, I would say. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ron. Sorry, um, Rupert Grint. Yeah, maybe a little. Um, like even like the stuff their meat cutes on the train where he's like, I'll buy the whole trolley. <laughs> like, and he, you know, they're eating all this shit. Uh, yeah, that stuff's nice. I don't know. It did. It does give me the, the warm and fuzzies. Oh, that moment, Joe, I love that moment too, because that really defines the Ron Harry relationship where they become best friends because each of them has what the other one wants because Harry never knew his parents. He was an orphan, grew up, you know, in the, with his uh, aunt and uncle who hated him. Um, but then he finds out that he's secretly rich and like the most popular person in the world, which is all, all Ron wants to be. But Ron grew up in a big loving family, but they're very poor. Um, but all Harry wants is to have a family. So I really like how that kind of defines their relationship. That's, that's beautiful, Mm -hmm. Jacob. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really hope through the course of these episodes, I do get a little more turned on to the Harry Potter. Ah, you will. We'll see. 
but yeah, that's a, that's a great observation I did not think about. Yeah, and that kind of, uh, you'll see that in later movies too, where uh, the Weasley family becomes, you know, Harry's kind of stand-in family. Um, but yeah, it's a great relationship. Another uh, uh, highlight that I just wanted to point out as well, this is a big highlight of the whole series, I think, is the score, right? John Williams, ladies and gentlemen, dun, 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 John Williams dun, dun, knocked dun, it out of the park dun. again. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever True. see someone like him come along and, no. you know, make five or six iconic like themes that will, you know, we'll never forget. So just, Oh, well I get scared when the shark shows up in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, as we mentioned uh, in the jaws episode, go back and listen, you know, Quint and, uh, Brody and uh, they, they they're kind of the heart the soul and the mind mm. each of them is a piece of that we have the same thing with Hermione is the mind right. uh, Ron is the heart and Harry is the soul ah, so, damn yeah. Mike spot on um, I'll get you Voldemort <laughs> you're gonna need a bigger one <laughs> and then a giant chess piece just crushes a kid <laughs> I, I do. I love how these movies Smile, you son of a bitch. always have the dumbest shit in them. <laughs> like, you gotta play yeah. chess on a giant chessboard. Like, but, to a kid, it's like, oh, look, it's big. <laughs> like, so I don't know. perfect. Even, though, well, yeah. even watching it now, I'm like, yeah, it's cute. I like it. I don't know. I'm on the my idea right now the night. I think Wizard's Chess as an idea is brilliant because it's like, how do you make chess, which is like a very cerebral game that kids might not find that interesting how do you make it like cool and badass well what if the pieces like annihilated each other when they took them that makes it badass right well that was battle chess which i played on ms dos and it did they took them three minutes to walk to the next square (laughs) but they would do that shitty animation and i'm like hell yeah i like all the trials at the end obviously the chess is a standout the flying keys is very cool fluffy as well what a cool character cgi eh, but Mm -hmm. it all holds up in my mind the devil snare though i what episode was i talking about quicksand so much where i was like guys quicksand just used to be in our mind this movie has that wish fulfillment of don't move this thing, it's like sucking us down. And, oh, right. no! <laughs> like Harry so Potter kind of has everything. Yeah, and each of those trials tested one of the kids, right? So that was Hermione having the book knowledge of knowing what that plant was, how to combat it. Then you had the Quidditch. It's a devil's snare, Jacob. <laughs> and then you had Ron mm-hmm. with the chess, which Ron being the good chess player doesn't make a lot of sense because he's like the dumb Nor one, is it but... ever brought up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but whatever. <laughs> They played with his brothers, but yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing I loved is the is the Weasley family. Um, reading the books, Fred and George were like my favorite characters because I was like, yeah, if I was in school, I'd be like pranksters like those guys. Those guys are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was impressed on this watch through to see that the young daughter, Ginny, was the same actress as well, that they're all growing up. And like you just said, Fred and George, Percy, the oldest that we're introduced to, they just throw that guy away, right? He does not come. Oh no, back. he's and if he does, it's like oh, Domino Gleason, right? It's like a Percy, very famous actor, right? Now. Yeah, Percy has a big part later because he becomes he sides with the Ministry of Magic over his family later on when the Ministry kind of becomes taken over by the Death Eaters and stuff. He becomes very bureau. He's oh, like a bureaucrat. Maybe he's not Domino Gleason. Interesting. Uh, Domino Gleason's dad is in this is in uh, later as Mad Eye Moody, 
Brendan Gleeson. I don't know if true, Domino true. was in this. But he is. He Star plays Wars one of the Weasleys in the later. He's the one that marries Lafleur, but is he also the one that gets attacked by a werewolf? Oh, that's Bill. Remember. Bill or Charlie. Oh, Bill. But Percy sure. is like the bureaucratic one. But that's a that's a Star Wars crossover right there, right? Yeah. Oh, very true. Yeah. Good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Harry Potter. We <laughs> uh, <laughs> just love it. We just love Harry Potter. I've here, been folks. reading. Let's let's <laughs> jump to our final thoughts now. I think I'm gonna send some mail mm-hmm. into the post. Uh, I gotta get this out of here, uh, Jacob. You're handling it to to that squid. That's the animal that you brought here. That's gonna take your mail for you. Interesting, but okay. Uh, I just go gotta remember all that's telling me that we need to finish this episode. So. Yeah, that's good. That's even better. Well, I'll catch you guys in a minute because it's flu season. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's that's terrible, Mike. Apologize for the bad joke in the previous segment. We are here with final thoughts. We are. We're back. And folks, we're giving our final thoughts here. But uh, to my three friends here at uh, Hogwarts Castle with me, Mm -hmm. guys, if you thought the um, Normies Like Us house that we all got sorted into wasn't going to win, I've got good news for you before the the ceremony's over, before the podcast ends. Mm -hmm. Mike... You exemplified bravery. <laughs> Ten points to normies like us. Yeah. Joe, you're a hero, a natural leader. Fifty points to normies like us. Yeah. And Jacob, lovable Jacob. <laughs> you went through this adventure with us. You took us along. A billion points to normies <laughs> like us, house. We win the Thank house you. cup. Yeah. Fair and fair and just. Right. That's I'm another the guy who thing invented the Quidditch like, rules, so I'm allowed to give those points <laughs> that's out. Right. That's another thing where it's like Dumbledore is showing clear favoritism. He's also Dumbledore was a Gryffindor. He was also the head of Gryffindor House before he became the headmaster. So I'm sure there's no favoritism. There's there. a precedent set. So he's then. like the guy. He's the guy who never left the school and just is still oh, yeah. into like the the sports team. And then Harry grows up to be a cop. These are like the most boring. <laughs> right. Harry does become oh, a cop. I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, but he's before. more of like a detective. So he's like, oh, okay. hey, blue lives matter. <laughs> okay, when they're fairies, let's go. <laughs> oh man. Right. Yeah, he does become a wizard cop. That's though. a great take. Um, and that speaking of the cops too, it's like uh, I think Mr. Sunday movies they always bring up with Harry Potter. What if someone just had a normal gun? <laughs> in the school well, there's bang. spells that can stop the bullets. But, but, I mean, how fast Drop it, Voldemort. Say it I'm fast not kidding. They have to say, yeah. expel it, bam, right? Yeah, it better not be a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> no, wizards don't know about technology. Like right. That, okay. Um, they have a <laughs> vodka cadaver. I think the wizard... Is it quicker? Is it... They, they might lose. Well, Jacob, you have a Vodagadabra. Quicker to shoot. You have a Vodagadabra etched into a desert eagle. <laughs> this is my <laughs> wand. Uh, Ash. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll kick off final thoughts here. Uh, please, I Joe. I just want to say, please, n- no no listeners, don't get your owl to, to fly me a death threat. Uh, I understand that I'm being a little <laughs> a harsh break. on Harry Potter. 
And I know that you probably love Harry Potter because everybody loves Harry Potter. But I feel like that's kind of, kind of why like one of us kind of has to be the like, no, this this, this You're is being a real muggle, Joe. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. How dare you? Whoa. <laughs> you can't say the M word. Um, but like, it wouldn't be fun if it was just four white guys sitting around being like, "Yeah, Harry Potter's the fucking best." I, and I then they Harry do the Potter. spell, and then they go to the school. Uh, yeah, we reserve that so for like, Star yes. Wars only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <that> is, <laughs> truly, it's true. It's true. I am a, a total hypocrite when it comes to that, but. As many negative things as I've said, I do love watching these movies. It does give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. I think they are really important to the zeitgeist. Um, but yeah, someone, someone's got to be the one to, to be a little harsh on them. And I'm going to be that guy because hey, these guys will tell you, like dragons and magic and shit like that. It's other than on a D&D board, it is my least favorite genre. And this is just like that to the nth degree. Right. Yeah. Well, now this isn't my final thought, but just to write off of you, Joe, um, I'm with Jacob in the thought and principle and idea of this episode that this is Normies Like Us, where we talk about things that are normie. We talk about the niche and the normie inside that stuff. I asked a new friend of mine who's an English teacher uh, what she thought of these series, and she said they are, in fact, not normie. That they are niche, that kids are losing Harry Potter and they are kind of leaving it behind. I asked her, like, what the new book series is. Jacob, she said it's those, like, um, what are their names? The Green Brothers, you know, The Fault in Our Stars, The Paper Houses. Yeah, John Green. uh, Because it's the YouTube presence. Kids feel like they interact more with the author, so there's more of a presence and those books stick around. I. I wonder what it would be like if J.K. was writing these right now. Would she have a Twitch stream where she talks about the Harry Potter Probably. books? I don't know. The Green Brothers are interesting because they were YouTubers even before they become like published. Uh, John Green. They were the Vlog Brothers, right? Novelist. Right. Um, but yeah, the trend of YA, I mean, it changes. It was Harry Potter. Then it was Twilight. Then it was dystopian sci-fi for a while. There was just, a, you know, Hunger Games, Maze Runner. But dystopian sci-fi became the big thing probably in the, uh, you know, mid-2000s to the early 2010s. Shut up, right? Mom. I want to listen to a little peep and read my books. <laughs> yeah. And now it's all about TikTok. I'm on and, lean. Uh, <laughs> I just took a Xanax. I can't read Jacob. Harry Potter. That was the oldest thing I've ever heard you say. Like, it <laughs> it's all about the dang Now these kids with their TikToks, they're all and zooming around kids, online. These sci-fi dystopias. <laughs> <laughs> what about the good old days with chocolate frogs and wands? Well, well yeah, my cool. theory is that dystopia became very straight. popular because of how shit the world is right now. I sure. think dystopia is Police like a very state. popular thing, right? Um, but uh, Harry Potter, while it has some dystopian parts to it, it's much more uh, idealistic and like a uh, you know happy world. But yeah, it's also set in the early '90s when like nothing bad was happening. Right, right, right. economic boom and all that. So yeah, yeah, and it's escapism. Um, first of all, yeah, if J.K. Rowling was doing this now, she would be the Billy Mitchell. Uh, she would be on Twitch just. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, like I, I'm still the record yes. holder. I'm still great. But um, uh, this first one, because I'm trying to keep it to that. Yeah, uh, okay book. I appreciate that the movie is world building. That's kind of my biggest takeaway, as I said earlier. 
And it's going to be interesting to go through these. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen this movie in probably over 10 years before the rewatch. So it's going to be interesting to go oh, back wow. and look at these um, and just kind of see the impact it's had because the YA, you know, became dystopia after this. This was the last kind of feel good original IP right. that had been created and that kind of stuck. And yeah, I guess if it's it's people are losing it, you know, maybe... It had to be passed down, you know, just like, you know, good Star Wars. So we'll see as we go. I think maybe. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think kids possibly they're not reading the books anymore. But I think hopefully I think the movies are still popular. Right, Colin? I hope so. I, I <laughs> Colin, really don't kids know. kids like this? I, I boy, guys, I truly don't know. If you're I, a I know kid, that we do. I please know it's stuck. <laughs> yes, please write well, to us. Don't. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't want to know. We don't want you uh, doing anything to us. This, this is um, my, here's my question, though. Just to Mike, to what you just said. Mm. If this was the only movie, if this was the only book, but since we just watched the movies, if this was the only movie, does it work as just a standalone film? Yeah, I mean, act, no. you say no. <laughs> I say it ends with a guy having a person in the back of his head and being like, "There's a big setup here, and there's more to come." <laughs> like that's literally I what guess, he says. Yeah, and then he turns into a poof and just like jumps. It through never him. would have been just one movie because there was already multiple books out by the time the movie. Right. Came. In the hypothetical, but yeah, besides that, Joe, it's like this is the only one that has its its conclusion that then is not the same conclusion for at least three to six other. Story. Yeah. <laughs> so it at least Look, Harry's got to go home for the summer, and yeah. you know school ends. He'll go back to We've magic in there. three months. How many times does um, Gryffindor not win the cup? Jacob, you have to know. That's a good question know. too. I think they probably like, win towards it every the end. Of them, <laughs> that is true. I remember a lot of the end books where they're like it's like thrown off screen as he's wrapping up. And as I was reading in the news and the refirmary, you know, the, it became clear that Ravenclaw had won the cup that year. And I remember always thinking like, oh, interesting. They really don't give a yeah. shit about this anymore. Nope. Well, again, as they get older, they they kind of care about the school stuff less. I mean, by the last book, Me they're not too. Even at school. They're uh, you know on the run because you know they're being tracked down by all these evil wizards but uh they don't even have quidditch i think in in the in the last movies either so it's like hmm. um you know kid kid times is over now you got to fight for your life basically yes. you ever hear dystopian the... got to get a job <laughs> we're in the gun. awe of the yaw you know what i'm saying yeah we're in yeah. the <laughs> the awe of the yaw right yeah. um but this one yeah is definitely the most kiddish um if i could give a couple final thoughts um one thing i forgot about is that john cleese is in this movie we didn't mention it earlier oh, yes. but mm-hmm. i think they do kind of write him out in the later movies probably they didn't want to pay you know john cleese to be in the movies anymore as the ghost well one big change too, jacob from the books how about taking out peeves the ghost who is sort oh, of the bad guy ish yeah, you know for young kids that's yeah. kind of an interesting decision uh, well, the Bloody Baron, which they do mention at one oh. point where they go, it's the Bloody Baron. But in the books, the Bloody Baron is like very scary and like would not be flying around having a good old time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Becomes Frighteners, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this yeah. Is, I mean, this is just like eat, eat popcorn and M&Ms and sit down with a blanket and fall asleep 30 minutes into it. This, that's this movie. Right. <laughs> but if you know all the deep lore of the series like I do, then it's totally different. No, but um, like, like Nagini. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not in the books. I don't accept the Fantastic <laughs> Beasts movies as canon because it's it's stupid. Shut up, Mike. Uh, I, I only accept those as canon. 
<laughs> it's not well, my I like the beasts yeah. of the Wizarding World. I don't. I don't really like the Hogwarts. Part. <laughs> I only like the American side of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, yeah, I'm really yeah, into Newt Thunderbirds for life. Hell yeah! I'm really into Newt Scamander, my favorite character. Newt said Scamander. nobody. Um, no. For part of my final thoughts, I'm gonna. Give, give a little anecdote that's probably an embarrassing admission from when I was a kid, Ooh. so this should be fun. Um, so when I was a kid, I thought Draco Malfoy was like the coolest guy. I was like, damn, that, guy's, oh, that guy knows what it is to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to have his hairstyle, basically. And I was like, oh, oh, he looks so lock cool. Lock in, slick We're back. trying. <laughs> If I have um, the backup so I, I attempted to do his hairstyle, but I could never get it to look as cool as he does. Um, and also this is, you know, I had another hair adventure after seeing the Phantom Menace where I went into the barbershop. Of course, I wanted a <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I hold on. <laughs> For the listeners, you look like Harry Potter. So the idea that you're like, right. I want to look like the one that I don't look like But I thought Harry amazing. Potter was a nerd and I thought Draco Malfoy was a cool guy. I, I, only Jacob would be like, so I was watching Star Wars and the Empire came out and it was like, these guys got some good ideas. So like, well, I, I like the aesthetics were the coolest. of you are Kylo, I liked, Ren uh, Kylo Ren. Yeah. yeah, Kylo Ren is awesome. And he's like the Draco Malfoy of Star Wars. So it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would say that. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, when I saw Phantom Menace, I went to the barbershop and I was like, can you give me like a braid like Anakin has? And they're like, no, your hair's not long <laughs> enough on the side to do that. And so they ended up giving me just a rat tail in the back. <laughs> and if it, if, if it was undone, it would just be a mullet. Uh, so I had a mullet that could also be a rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Can you turn that yellow? I had a lot of <laughs> I had a lot of embarrassing hair phases as a kid. Yeah, to that guy, he wasn't like, oh, you want a Padawan. He was like, you want a rat tail. So you did get a rat tail, dude. <laughs> no, I wanted it on the side, but my hair wasn't long enough to do that. You'd have to grow it out for a long time to get that. So I was like, just I, do I it can, in the back. The best I can do is rat tail. And you said, fuck me up. <laughs> yeah, dude. Do it. I'm just going to be sitting reading Harry Potter anyway. It doesn't matter. Literally, and I go back and I look at pictures of me with a fucking mullet, and I look, <laughs> it doesn't look good. That's Hufflepuff well, like behavior. You had a big pod race that week. Uh, <laughs> I love how Jacob <laughs> identifies with the character when he's a child and is like, I invented yeah, a character named Xander. My dream character is named Draco. <laughs> I thought the slicked back blonde hair was like the coolest hairstyle yeah. you could have when I was like 11. I tried to do hey, that with hair gel, but cool. it. <laughs> oh, but so it wouldn't much. stay down so it just became like spiky long hair that looked bad you know how everyone had the gelled spiky hair back in the day uh, do you remember that fucking those <laughs> blue big bottle. tubs of gel we all used to get probably around the time I was reading these books guys the fucking crazy colors they were it was disgusting <laughs> yeah yeah I also had frosted tips at one point I had oh spiked God. up hair I had all the worst hairstyles of the 90s <laughs> and 2000s so that gel was so, so sticky and everywhere. And then if yeah. you sweat at all, the sweat would go in your eyes and be oh, like, yeah. you just got mace. And like crystals would come off, Joe. You would like pull yeah. crystals <laughs> off of your hair when you were done. It's pretty amazing that any of us still have hair. Like yeah. the amount of chemicals that had to have been in that. Right. 
Well, now I use like a uh, you know pomade, which is much more subtle. But some might yeah. say I still have you know various bad hair trends. You know, <laughs> never grew out of it. <laughs> I dyed my hair blonde say. for a year last year. Yeah, and it looked well, fucking Draco. dope. Draco, Draco, Draco yeah. phase. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's right. We did a Grindelwald yeah. Photoshop. I remember. Yeah, yeah, you were doing a Grindelwald, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, that's right. Well, nowadays you just use you in Harry Potter's world. You just use a spell to fix your hair. That's what I would have done. Right. But yeah, I just, that's a very thing that sticks out in my memory of just trying to get that hair right. And then it coming up when I was at school and just looking like bad, long spiked up hair. Cause it wouldn't slick back like his did. I still want to know if hey, this Jacob. is your second or third favorite. What were you doing for the, uh, the Animorphs or the red wall? Were you dressing up like a mouse? <laughs> I, was, I was walking around with a hawk feathers. on my arm. <laughs> well, red wall was hard anyway. because nobody knew what that was. So I couldn't really talk about it with any of my peers um, but that was the thing that I was really into. If you guys don't know about it, like it's a great series and it's, I would still recommend it for kids. It's like game of Thrones for kids, but they're all like small rodents. Hell yeah. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Here's what I was reading at the time and why I was so primed and pumped for this. I liked fantasy books. I like this guy, Piers Anthony, Jacob, if you ever did him, mm. he did these fantasy books called the world of Xanth. He also did some like sci-fi ones called the blue adept. I, we've said it before. I'm more fantasy than sci-fi, I think. Right. So I am kind of primed for Harry Potter, but the pitch for them was they were game of Thrones, little less violent, more sex so i would read those when i was oh, like sure. 10 years old and my dad would be like why are you going through those books so fast and let me tell you guys <laughs> i would do like one a day Dang. <laughs> speed reading yeah redwall was like very violent actually no sex though it was very um the opposite end of the virginal. spectrum yes. i'm out i'm out, I'm out. <laughs> but it was like you know it was like mice and rabbits fighting Peter. Yeah, no, no, we read your furry fan fiction <laughs> called Red Balls is what you call I was, it. It's, I was also very intrusive. <laughs> I wasn't into the NSFW scene, but I was very into Redwall, like, RP in, in oh, on okay. the internet Boy, I as a kid. I did not know where that, that was going. could have gone one of two ways real well. Well, no, I'm saying it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the racy stuff, which there was that side of it, too. I'm sure it was big with furries, but that was before I even knew what a furry was. But right. Um, yeah, I was into the into the Redwall RPing and fanfic kind of community from uh, in the internet, but that's a whole other story. You were a um, mongoose named Draco. Very specific hair. I'm pretty sure my name was Xander. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> of course it was, dog. Xander for was. life. Oh my god! And I was a. Uh, uh, I, I did like mongooses, but there was a book called The Tagarong in the series, which is about. Mm. Well, this is uh, this is a whole tangent. Maybe I, I should. No, 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 no. I'm loving it. American Harry Potter, The Tagarong. It's Tangarong. It's Thunderbird. So you hit us with the final anecdote. Final thoughts on this, though. Yeah, yeah. Let me get the final on Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone. Like I said, not my favorite. I think there are. They do get better as they go on, although I like the second one less than this one. So I think this is the better of the Chris Columbus movies. I love the atmosphere that it sets up, the world building. Obviously, the nostalgia is a huge thing for me as well. Um, And yeah, I just appreciate what it sets up. Um, So I'm very excited to talk about this over the next eight weeks. And I'm sure you guys won't get tired of it, and neither will I. I will not get tired of it. I love talking this stuff with you guys. If you have more anecdotes um, like that, I am locked in for the next eight weeks. Get ready, guys. I'll, I'll tell I'm you, my ready. favorite 
my favorite sentence of the podcast the podcast was, yes, uh, I was into mongooses at the time. <laughs> what I was going to say was that there was a, a the book, The Tagarong, where this otter gets adopted by by mongooses. Because like, the, there are certain, certain animals were only bad and certain animals were only good. But the otter was a good animal that grew up with the bad nature animals. nurture he, right yeah and he has to come to terms books like, are really good, black and white huh good <laughs> house sure bad are. house good well, animal kids, bad kids animal books are oftentimes yeah right no uh, Redwall, check it out if you haven't heard of it um they are you know more children's books but definitely worth reading i think all right well thanks for listening to the harry potter animorphs <laughs> Redwall podcast <laughs> i'm just animorphs happy to have friends who read at the end of the day normies let us know what fucking books you're reading you know that's i'm curious about that i was a huge reader as a kid i have some embarrassing stories i could tell about um just reading i've been reading <laughs> for another time i've been reading, reading. <laughs> They found me completely naked on the beach holding uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'm about thanks to for, cast excruciating on normies. myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, well, I'm about to erase my memory, too, with whatever spell that is. So this has you been your host. curse? <laughs> quiet. <laughs> quiet, you. We're going to cast death on you. So you better watch cave. out. Silencio. But uh, remember, normies, we're doing this for a couple months. Keep tuning in. Uh, so not the usual write-in to let us know what you want us to talk about, but write-in to let us know what you think. Hit us up at our socials, at normies underscore like underscore us on all of those. Um, we're going to have some cool guests this year, too. So right. get ready. Follow Should along. be fun. Again, this has been your host, uh, Colin Malfoy. What? Michael Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, the Joe Who Lived. <laughs> And this is Jaco Malfoy. Oh, how no, dare you? You both can't do it. You're I was going to be Jaco Malfoy. Right, What's well, a wizard time. duel it is then? And <laughs> yeah. Avada Kedavra. I just used my gun. Oh, You're both dead. <laughs> burn, burn. Bye. See you later, normies. May the, oh, these, may the magic be with you. This freaking muggle, and man. also with you. Hell yeah, this is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. All right, are we, call, are we calling this Hair Vember Pot Zember? <laughs> that can be the up top. I can pitch mine, and you can pitch yours, and we can What's yours? talk about whatever it is. Well, remember, really? mine is uh, Fantastic November is in December to find them. <laughs> And oh, potentially yeah. January, if need be. Kinds of the Januvalds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, right. At least we recorded that if it's not as smooth when oh, we actually record. So good. Wingardium. Wingardium Leviosa. Harry you are Let the boy yourself. who listened to movies like us. I can't, nice, I can't believe nice. that 80% of this, the future podcasts are just going to be impressions of Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Harry oh, Potter! Man. <laughs> Harry Potter!